and here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, we got ourselves a special podcast here today. I've got my main man, Sonny Vice, to interview yours truly. Not like I need to be interviewed. You guys have been listening to, well, I presume you've been listening to most of my podcasts, and I tend to run my mouth over all of my, my guests. But this podcast is going to be around my music, what I've been up to over the last few years, uh, my history as an artist, as an artiste. I like to say that I'm an artist, man. And uh, yeah, just what I hope to achieve in the next few years. And hope it, hopefully be around here a lot more than a few years. But anyway, let's do it. Sonny Vice, my brother, take it away, son. You can interview Mr. Chris Shul. Ow! All right, man. All right. All right. Uh, should I go Krishna or MC Krishul for the, you know, well, like. Well, first, let's just get this um, introduction music going. And just, just Krishul. Krishul. Yeah. Okay, here we are. I can turn to me. Got a really buffy hair, hairdo going on over here. Yo, dude. Okay, Sunny Vice. Welcome, welcome to your podcast. Welcome to, uh, yeah, it's weird welcoming how, myself to my podcast. How does it feel to be a guest? It feels good. Every time I do a podcast with you, it's always like you're, you're taking control of the interview anyway, so it's, oh. it's copacetic. God damn it. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to actually, you know, see the roles reversed. I mean, normally, I feel the same way when, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm usually the guy that takes over a conversation, talks the most, but mm-hmm. there you go. Absolutely. We're equally dominant. All right, I don't know where to, I don't know where to start, dude, but here's a good one. Like, All right. obviously, your whole dream, right, is... is, is, is be a rock star, man. Yeah, is, is like... Be a performer, be an entertainer. You love being on stage, and and like something like that has seeds. Wait, like where does it begin? When was the first time you like felt like, oh man, I really want to have as many people looking at me do something? You know, like tell me a story. All right. Well, obviously, it starts from the beginning. Very good place to start. As a kid, I've always loved performing. It was brought up singing to Michael Jackson songs, Lionel Richie doing all the dance moves, all of that kind of stuff. And even at the age of two, three, I'd be doing breakdancing moves during parties. And once I finally moved to Australia, I mean, at the back of my, my head, I always wanted to be a performer. Obviously, you go through different phases. I think I wanted to be Superman first. Then I realized that Superman wasn't real. Then I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Then I wanted to be a veterinarian, a whole bunch of things. But at the back of my mind, throughout everything, I've always loved the idea of being on stage and influencing people through, through music. And, uh, yeah, I suppose the seeds were... Look, I just felt from a young age that I've always wanted to do something without sounding like, oh man, I feel like I'm destined for greatness or that, that kind of nonsense. I think every young kid, I want to say every young guy particularly, I'm not sure if that's um, a little misogynistic though, but I do feel as if from a young age you feel this want to to prove yourself to your peers, to, to, your, to everyone. And I don't want to live my life not striving to be the best I can and the one thing I love doing I've loved doing more than anything is performing singing dancing so uh, I've devoted the I don't know the last 20 years to really trying to pursue that goal and of the next I was in a vocal group called track five about six seven years ago and for the last uh, I don't know a few years I've been doing my own solo stuff so yeah still chasing that I mean, how does that like so obviously you're a little kid and mm-hmm. what time by the way what time how old were you when you got to Australia about four years old. Four years old, like, and you got you got here out of is it Ghana, right? That's right, Ghana, West Africa. Everyone thinks I'm from the states, but none of this none of this African American nonsense. I'm from Africa. <laughs> you are, you know, like the real thing, man. It's uh, I it, like I would say Africa. Well, my is. friends just did the door. Can you just get that? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. Get it. We'll be right back. Uh, we're actually just getting ready to go see the Hobbit, everyone. 
and uh, I've invited one of my other friends, Ankit Metter. Uh, it's a little kind of a on the fly at the moment. Welcome. Oh, wait, here he is the now. Is this opened. is Ankit. Just calling him my buddy. Yeah. Right. Uh, did, like did you know how to? Oh, you didn't actually get that. Um, well, uh, let me just. This is a little kind of weird because I've started a podcast and I'm going to call my friend over here. But, you know, I like to keep these things real. I'm just going to let him know that he can come in and we'll get this thing back running. Uh, hold up. I think, I, think I, uh, I think the door is open. Is, is open? Anki, you there? I'm yeah, I think he's coming up. Can you open the door, Mark? Hey, buddy, how you doing? Uh, so, uh, I was just doing a podcast, man. And, uh, hey, man, come in. Sunny, oh, I know. Like, dude, like, you'll be, you'll be, the, you'll be the live audience. Except, like, live, live, live audience. What are you doing? No, it's cool, it's cool. This is, uh, Dude, just fly. chill. It's yeah. all good. I'm getting my friend Sunny over here to interview me. I okay. kind of want to get people to, well, give people an idea of who I am. Because the next year, I'm hoping it's going to be a big one. I just wanted to put something out there to cover who I am. Um, all that kind of stuff, dude. Like, so, don't worry, right. children. We're, we're we're back. We're back. All right, ladies. I'm interviewing Chris Schul here. He's he's bearing his soul to the world, and we got to the point where um, you know, like I, I just found out he's he's originally from Ghana, and uh, it, it's a very interesting correlation between say Africa and this ambition to, you know, sing and perform. Because, I mean. Mind you, that this may be a stereotypical view, and I do watch a lot of documentaries. Mm -hmm. But if, if you look at, you know, people organically breaking into dance and song, I mean, you think of of you know people somewhere around Central Equatorial Africa, because you, you see videos of their villages, they're singing, dancing as they work, as they go, as they you know go down the street, as they're shopping. They are very rhythmic, melodic people. Well, it's inherent within the culture. I mean, I'd say most of the the pop culture, hip hop, R and B, that kind of stuff, it comes from the from the states, African American culture. And as you know, the uh, the African Americans, they're from essentially Africa, West Africa. I'd say mm -hmm. about ninety five percent of African Americans are historically from Coast. from the West of Africa, yeah. and that is a very it, that part of the world is very influenced by music, by by dance. And you'll find tap da tap dancing actually comes from that part of the world. Maybe. You'll find it when it comes to dance rhythm, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, mm -hmm. Africa is one of those continents that is just hugely immersed in in that whole thing. So I think it's hard to not want to not want to get yourself involved in music or dance yeah, uh, like, coming from that part I mean, of the world. If you if you purely go on cultural terms, you look mm -hmm. at. I mean, you look at the Europeans, and you, you imagine them inventing organs, or the piano, or the harp with the strings. Or, but Africans is just so instantaneous, so organic. Like you know, they'd probably pick up the the first object, which would be like a water canister, and start up like a yeah a really awesome drum beat and burst out into song. Man. The amount of like, times I've seen some poor African kid using a, a cup or a a pen as a drum and creating music from nothing. It seems yeah. to be. I mean, it's like it, music is such an inherent part of who you are that you make music from anything. You know what I mean? And like having spent the last you know year observing kids, I'd say like you know it, it's the, there's pretty much two groups of people, 
and you know this is talking about stereotypes but uh, like true stereotypes i would say like the islanders and the africans are almost like born with music in their heart very much so and they you know you bring that down here and then you're okay so you're adapting to a new culture you're going to high school and like where where's the first performance you know when is that first time that you you know you get on some stage any stage okay well i would say around the age of seven or eight i joined the australian boys choir and that was more more or less just a choir kind of thing you're singing with a, a bunch of people and yeah, it's, it's your first exposure to sing in any kind of big environment but it wasn't until I would say high school around the age of 15 when I was in my first school production and it was weird because I used to sing a lot obviously but I'd never been in that kind of environment and uh, everyone during one of my performances we were doing some kind of uh, detective play and I was uh, some kind of a I was one of those Frank Sinatra uh, characters. What's that? Um, Casablanca. You know that type of movie? Yeah, yeah it was yeah, one of those yeah, yeah. style, uh, style plays. Stage musical. Absolutely. I sang As Time Goes By. Now, the thing is, I used to have this really high-pitched voice. Everyone everyone thought of me as the, the, the squeaky little kid that had a, a really high voice. And around this time, my voice had just broken. So I started singing As Time Goes By in this really deep voice. And everyone started laughing because they assumed I was miming. And it wasn't until I made a little error that they all started going, what, what? He's, he's actually singing? Because everyone ex- expected me to all sound like, hi, I'm Christian, I'm going to sing a song. And I'm like, you must remember this. And everyone's like, what the frack, this guy, what, he's actually singing? And after that whole performance, I started getting a lot of uh, interest. I mean, the, the, school ba- the school jazz band, they asked me to, to join the, the band. And I started performing with them. And through that, I started getting a lot more gigs and stuff. So... It wasn't until this big laughter erupted and everyone realized that I was actually singing that people started taking me seriously as a singer. And from then on, like throughout high school, everyone started wanting me to sing for them. In fact, I was in year, year 10, 11. Every wet day, people would have me perform in front of the tabletops and I, I'd sing a whole bunch of acapellas and stuff like that. So that was kind of my... Every wet day. So every like, wet day time. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm guessing... Uh, we're talking like under the canopy when it's raining and all the kids are sitting in front of the cafeteria and like yeah. you, somebody would get up on uh, because you know in the school I taught there would be kids break dancing that would be playing the music all right so you were the yeah what would happen is during the wet they would all have to go into the corridors and just do nothing you know what I mean so we needed some kind of entertainment all the girls would be like Christian can you please sing your song and do the whole I, I don't know if I, I don't really want please please <laughs> okay when deep down you're like oh really I hope they ask me to sing a song. <laughs> You get up on the stage and you start singing. Back then, Backstreet Boys was pretty, uh, pretty big, so it start, you know. Even in my heart, girls would go crazy. Ah, and that Dude, was my introduction. For the record, I would have bloody hated you in high school. I probably would have. I, I, I was a bit of an attention whore, but it kind of, it kind of paved the way to me getting involved in, in the whole performing arts. I mean, from then, from there, I just I joined a vocal group called Track Five, around the age of eighteen. So like. Tell me about like this this track five thing because obviously before your solo uh, you know career kicked mm-hmm. off, that's the one thing that you went you were committed to more than any Absolutely. other project, right? So Absolutely. like, how did that come about? That was an amazing experience. It was a five piece vocal group. Our manager Ella Lahaf she put us together, uh, went through a whole audition that kind of stuff. So like, 
when you say like a manager puts you together, like, yeah. Did you did you know these guys before you were in a band? Not at all. And I'll tell you what it was. So it's like uh, it, it's sort of like the, the the typical Spice Girl West uh, West Life type Absolutely. of story, right? And nine times out of ten, that's what happens with boy bands. They usually put out this story about how they met each other through some party and they decide to put a band together. But the official story is a management team always puts them together. Uh-huh. I know that's the story with Blue. They're they were a pretty big band around the time I used to perform. It is the story with the Backstreet Boys. All the major bands you can think of, they usually put together. Because it's, it's pretty rare, at least back then, I find mm. I found to, to know a bunch of people that could hold a note. So it usually required someone to bring all of those people together. And I, I, the idea of being in a room with a bunch of people that could actually sing really well, it was, it so, was cool. So you were One Direction, like, you know, yeah, I suppose five you, years ahead of time. Or something yeah, I suppose like you could yeah. say that. We kind of um, compared ourselves to the Backstreet Boys at the time because they were the prevalent boy band back then but it was a lot of fun a lot of irritation as well everyone wanted to be in the limelight it was kind of weird because in a vocal group in a vocal group generally there's a lead singer that takes the the limelight and the other singers they provide support but because we were all singers in our own right we wanted to kind of like battling for the stage and uh there was a lot of bitching going on which is kind of weird because i remember asking our manager why she decided to put a, bo- a boy band together and she said that she thought about putting a girl group together but they're just way too bitchy so could I, I can only imagine how bitchy a girl group would have been if we were already bitchy as hell wow so um the bottom line is there were a lot of politics that went on it was really frustrating so, at times but so like did you re- did you record a full album absolutely we put together we got signed to a a group called not not a group but a label, a label called spin music these uh these producers they used to do a lot of the stuff the neighbors people okay and uh, yeah I mean we, we had we, we had some licensing deals as well whatever the frack that means I think that was just the term that we used to use well, I, I so like, it, yeah can I here's a here's a question something I've mm. always wondered about because um, like the process of making an album with something like a boy band like I imagine there would be uh, managers or producers gathering up a list of songs yeah. right and then they bring you guys in and you guys probably battle over who sings which part yeah and, and then there's the arrangement of like what instruments and stuff like that so like what was that what was that process like like that just- was frustrating because i know someone like you you appreciate artists that create their own work create their own songs all that kind of stuff now all of us in our own right we were songwriters but wow. because the producers they wanted us to do their specific type of music mm. uh what would happen is we showed them all. We obviously would show them all, all our stuff, and they'd be like, you know, we like this stuff, but we think you should do uh, one of our songs. And it was it was pretty much a uh, a dictatorship. At the end of but the like, day, you have to do this. This the, is how, this is how you're gonna sing it. The bit that I'm interested in, like, is mm-hmm. obviously you know you got five guys, right? And every mm-hmm. you know if you guys are all pretty good singers in your own right, you're already like ahead of most boy bands. And if you most of you are writing music, then like. First, did you duke it out over who gets to sing which bits? All the freaking time, man. All the freaking time. I would be oh. like, Paul, bro, come on, man. You're doing all the... Paul was the... Paul was pretty much the leader of the group. I mean, we yeah. never had an official leader, but he had... He was a Leo. And, I mean, they, they tend to be very kind of take charge. But he was the one that was always taking charge of everything. He was so confident. And I learned so much from him. He was, he was like, five years older than me. One of the reasons we called it Track 5. At least I like to think. I was tracking everyone by five years at the time. And uh, one of the things I loved about Paul is he, I've told you before, I've told you this, the guy was confident as hell. He had 
he had huge balls. And as I said, like, <laughs> not only metaphorically, man, but this guy had freaking huge <laughs> testicles, man. Right, I right. actually saw him one time, but that, I digress. The bottom line was Paul had this way of getting everyone to fall in line to just to make sure that at the end of the day, the, the group was cohesive. And, I mean, you kind of need someone that's, uh, that's, that's setting the stage. But, yeah, all together, it worked, worked pretty well, at least until we broke up. Oh, man, like, so you were together for how long? Five years, strangely enough. Track five, mm-hmm. five guys, five years together. Yeah. It was wow, only three like... guys for most of it, though. Within okay. the first year, we lost a couple of people. And uh, yeah, then we decided to keep the name, though, as track five, with only three of us. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was good, man. We, talk, we ended up going to Europe um, for this festival called Popcom, uh, funded by a manager. We got to meet some really interesting uh, people in the industry, got a few licensing deals there. We went toward a toward Berlin, toward London. Do you, have, do you have like a, you know, a clip? Like a, Absolutely. Like we a... were on an MTV, Channel V. One of our, one of our songs was um, the longest running uh, top 10 video uh, in 2004. Dude, like, I'll, I'll tell you like one thing that I'm, I'm like almost shocked at. Okay. Uh, well, you are not exactly shy or humble most of the time, and yet this is Aww. something exceedingly. What do you mean I'm the most incredibly humble person I've, I've ever. I mean, this is something I've exceedingly uh, impressive, <sighs> and like, like you've never. <laughs> act, I mean, I know you were in some in in, in a boy band of sorts before, but you never really even mentioned that you know you were touring the world and you were like on rotation on MTV. Oh uh, well, that it, type it of wasn't thing. touring the world. In fairness, it was just uh, touring Europe, just a couple of countries. You know what I mean? Okay. And I mean, look. Most of most of my friends, they're aware of the fact that I was in this vocal group because they used to go to the gigs and that kind of mm. stuff. Um, but it's not... I mean, at the end of the day, you, unless, of course, you made it on that big level, like you, you've been in one of these reality TV shows, you, you had a number one single, I don't feel as if it really means anything. I mean, obviously, the experience was fantastic, but I don't feel as if it's something that I... I would brag about like, hey man, I had a I had a single in the in the top fifty RH charts. It's not really bragworthy. I mean, it's uh, it's something that I, I'm very proud of the fact that mm. I got to be amongst a bunch of really talented singers. So and like musicians. here, I'll ask you a question. Though. Yeah, you know, it may not be your favorite question, but sure. uh, it, it's something that that is like you know, I'm a, I'm a tennis player, and we always discuss it with each other, mm. and you always go like you know who out there is really talented and who mm. out there is just like winging it on the basis of a freaking some fluke that 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 you know like people with the skills don't actually it's a really good question right? get like yeah. you obviously look at a lot of pop music right? absolutely and like who do you feel when you're watching pop and listening yeah. to pop that like oh my god this person is like blowing me away and who do you feel like oh my god like somebody get this guy or uh, well, I don't like to talk negatively about anyone, so let's talk about the positive. First of all, people that I actually know, one of the great things is I've had the benefit, because I'm constantly doing these reality TV shows, trying for alpha competitions and that kind of stuff. I met some amazing sing- singers. Um, as most people would know uh, if it, from watching X Factor this year, one of the guys, Omar Dean, one of the most hardworking guys that you will ever meet, has a ridiculous work ethic. I thought I had a hard work ethic. This guy is... And the one thing I love about him is he never gives up. I mean, he openly speaks about how he's been rejected from so many TV shows, but he keeps on going and going. And that is the one thing that I admire more about mm. anything. Um, the ability perseverance. to... Yeah, perseverance. And uh, the guy is unbelievably talented. Like, he made the top six of The X Factor uh, this year. 
Uh, he's got some this ridiculous falsetto voice, and I I bet you, if he if he's not already signed by the end of next year, he is he's going to be signed to a major. The guy's got a ridiculous fan base now. The teeny boppers are going crazy for this guy. You know all this crazy like ah, that kind of stuff I was doing. And magnify that by yes. by a thousand, and that's a an insight Since into what, what this guy gets. Since it started with the Beatles, it never ended. There's always been some freaking teenage arousing. Absolutely. Cl cliche type of music. But um all right, we got Omar Dean like out of like out of the out of the stuff that you know everybody watching will be I'm talking Usher, Beyoncé, whatever, you yeah. know, like out of them, like who and why? And I I mean I want to know purely as a musician/performer, you mm -hmm. know, like they're what what's 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 the big influence or what's an inspiration for you? Well, look at the end of the day, I think being able to do something to a very high level is inspiration enough. And uh, I mean, regardless of what you're doing, uh, there there's so many brilliant performers in their own right. I mean, there are some singers, there's some dancers, some that are better at one of the than the other. But when someone is brilliant and putting them all together, that's on a completely different level. I find that Usher, the fact that he's this consummate singer, he's this consummate dancer, he's a businessman, he's a he does a whole bunch of other things. Someone that's putting it together so well. And uh, I, I feel as if he's he uh, he's also managing, as you know, he's, ma he's ma pretty much manages uh, Justin Bieber. At least Justin Bieber signed to his mm. label. So I would probably say the person that's at the top of the game in oh, at least yeah. the R&B world at the moment is Usher. I mean, you, you mentioned that name, and everyone everyone yeah respects it because it's he's such a consummate performer. Now, I like even you know even I. It's not my type of music. It's not mm -hmm. something. But yeah, I, I gotta say, yeah, you're right. I I respect Usher. I, I mean, you look at a guy. First of all, like he has been in top physical shape from day zero. He's been one of the best dancers I've ever seen. And you know, mm -hmm. like I grew up loving Michael Jackson. And you know, whoever you know, whoever comes closest. And I would say, out of the people that I've looked at, you know, Usher would be right up there. Absolutely. And then you know, okay, I think you know Justin Bieber is he's you. Know, a symptom of the demise of popular culture, but nonetheless, what's you know, wrong with Justin Bieber, man? I mean, if you're going to successfully, you. you know, if you're going to successfully take some kid singing in his bathtub and make hundred million dollars out of it, you know, like guys, you still respect. I still gotta respect that. Well, know? give the people what they want, man. And the fact yeah. of the matter is, there are a lot of teeny boppers out there that love Justin Bieber, love what he's doing, and uh, look, man. Uh, if if something sells, it sells. That's the thing about one of the things I've learned from this industry. A lot of people in the world love McDonald's, like that's true. In sales. A lot of people <laughs> like to critique artists like Justin Bieber, and they say, "Oh, he's really not that good. He's just got all this exposure." First of all, he is really good, but there's so many different factors in becoming a great, a, a famous or well-established performer. You, you, there's a marketing angle. There's the singing. There's the dancing. There, there's all of these different angles, and sometimes. You may not be looking at all the angles. You may just be looking at one saying, that guy's not a really good singer. He shouldn't be there. But maybe he's worked his ass off in all of these other areas and you're not aware of it. So it kind of all levels out. And mm. unless, of course, you're seeing the bigger picture, I don't really think it's fair yeah. to, uh, to Look, say this guy the bit that I'm not doesn't deserve to be where he's at. The, bit, the mm. bit that I'd say most is most underappreciated mm. is professionalism. You know... I'm I'm just imagining like what it takes to do a world tour. You bar your soul on stage, mm. night in night out. You live out of hotels, and to do that at a reliable, consistent basis, you know, like day after. I mean, you look at what it someone like Beyonce, 
and mm-hmm. and the show that she puts on. Again, like I don't really like Beyonce all that much, but I I have managed projects as an engineer, and that, and I look at somebody headlining such a big project, yeah, and doing it to perfection for decades. I mean, have you ever heard in like you know you've seen that old stuff about whatever Justin starts miming or Britney or a lot mm-hmm. of these people, but no, like Beyonce is. Live, it's real, it's perfect every time. Do- she is time, yeah. a redonkulous singer. I love using that word, but I only say that for really amazing people. I, I've heard stories about her as a kid running on treadmills, singing, uh, going through, like a, a UFC athlete trains in the most rigorous ways to develop their, their physicality, their, their skills. Beyonce, from a young age, she was training her voice. And the fact that she has, she's had so much experience from starting mm. this from a very young age, she's so devoted. It really shows. She is one of these singers that I've heard her just get, getting up and say, just dro- dropping from, dropping from, um, dropping down, you know, in the country, mm-hmm. and just gets on stage without a sound check, and she's wowing the audience. And that level, it takes, it takes discipline. It's like that ten thousand hours thing. Mm. People arrive at that level of brilliance not by chance. I mean, talent has a pl- has obviously a fact is a factor, but it comes down to putting in the hours. Like you of all people know this yeah. as a tennis player, right? The amount of hours you would have had to to put into what were you? You're the top five in the country. You were at at some point, right? Well, I, I, you know, given that I played in Libya and Bosnia, I, I the, the, yes, I was top five in both. But it's not exactly some some world beating standard. But mm-hmm. even to get there, it would have been, you know, five years back to back, averaging four hours a day, and 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 that is slacking compared to like the Spanish kids, you know. Yeah. Like I felt. I felt, you know, what's the what's the word? Um, Overwhelmed. Like not down. You know, I I felt lazy and not good enough for my four hours a day. And I mean, in in to reach excellence in something that so many people strive for. Mm-hmm. And tennis and singing, performing would I would say that there are millions of young people absolutely lining up, you know, doing their utmost best to get there, you know, yeah. and and anybody that. Whether they wind up finishing it, you know, wowing the crowd with the beautiful shots or, you know, like the tunes that I particularly enjoy, whether mm-hmm. that happens or not, just just to make it in something so cutthroat competitive mm-hmm. is amazing. And the Absolutely. word I was looking for earlier is like I felt inadequate at, at you know, four hours, four hours a, day a day compared yeah. to, to how did some of these at, at my time, how did South Americans and the Spanish trained? Yeah. Well, Paisan, I feel like I'm going to have to interview on this right now because I really mm. wanted to, uh, to explore that further. But I wanted to keep, keep this down to 20 minutes. Uh, my friend Ankit is in the house over here, and we're about to head off to see The Hobbit, which I've been waiting for all freaking year. But ladies and gentlemen, I just want to get, I wanted to do this podcast just to give people an insight into uh, who I am. Um, first and foremost, obviously, I'm a singer, but I've been doing these podcasts for the last couple of years. Can I, about, can I, I'll, yeah. I'll hijack the thing. All right. You know? and, and Let's just wind it down because we got to I will moving. wind it down. All I, right. I mean, I will say this, like, you know, uh, dude, like, as in who you are, mm-hmm. you know, you're an open-minded person. Thank and, you, bro. <laughs> you know, you are doing something that is universally inspirational and everybody should copy. You found something you love and you're putting like everything you got, you're organizing your life around it, you know? Like there's a lot of people who have a talent and they have, you know, a full-time job they hate and they, they dream about their talent, but no, you've like literally reorganized your life to become 
a better singer every day of the year and uh, I'm not know, paying you any money for this Sonny okay <laughs> I, I mean as I say as I say as somebody who's like not all that into pop culture like I look at you and I respect that well a lot. thank you so, man yeah. coming from you man I, I really respect that because ladies and gentlemen Sonny is doing some amazing things which we're going to get into in the next podcast uh, as you know he's a tennis player he is uh, one of the the leaders of the Melbourne chapter Zeitgeist Movement, and he is an engineer, constantly working on some amazing stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, um, this podcast is about me, <coughs> and uh, uh, we're going to get into Sonny's podcast probably the, the next time. Uh, until next time, peace out, keep it real. This is the Crystal Journey Podcast. Be sure to, uh, to share this out there, and uh, have a good one. Peace out. Ow! Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ankita. I didn't realize you'd be. I, 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 I might have.